180 grand now. Loan shark, woman, four sons. Address, message me through his burner phone, straight onto my burner phone. As we're driving into South London, who sat by the traffic lights? Armed coppers. So I take a chase in the central London. We crash the car, running, running. I don't know where I'm going. End up by the pier. I'm looking at them, they're looking at me. I looked at them, I said, jump. From there, a full-fledged robber. Route. Armed robberies? Guns, yeah. Was there any nerves from you going into doing any of these jobs? No, because I convinced myself what's in there is mine. I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. I was in a situation where I shot someone in the neck with a shotgun. He looked at me as though I was a monster, despite the fact that we've grown up together as kids. I have the coke, I have the weed, I got the shotgun stored. Next thing, I hear a helicopter above the roof of the house. The door flies open. Oh, police! I'm in my boxes, I'm thinking, shit. I got laser beams on my chest. Zip tie me, pitch black, whack, whack, whack. All blood leaking out of me. Uh, dash me into the back of the car. That was the first time I went to prison. And how long did you get? Do you know? that there was a bounty on your head at that time. I didn't know how much until I got older. How much was on your head? Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sports and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Adam McGanzy, also known as Ghost, is the most notorious London gangster of the last decade. He had a £100,000 bounty placed on his head by a drug kingpin. From being stabbed with a samurai sword, confronting armed police with a shotgun and getting banged up for a 20-year sentence. This is the eventful life of Mr. Adam McGanzy. Ghost, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this. Let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and how did you end up having a hitman wanting to take you out? Uh, I grew up in Canning Town, uh, Newham, a little place called um, Canning Town. And um, I ended up actually having uh, money put on me uh, when I was 17. It was due to a uh, a stupid decision that I made, rational decision that I made when I was very young, mm. uh, that had serious repercussions. Uh, I wasn't aware of how deep or how serious the repercussions were until it was too late. Mm. Um, yeah, until I found out, you know, the whole, you know, barrel, the whole area was on me. I had no idea. No one even said a single word. So um, by the time I found out, it was already too late, you know. Yeah. So that was when you were 17. What was life, where, where were you born? And what was life like growing up? Okay, so I was, I was actually born in Uganda. Um, I was born in Uganda, uh, went to school, came here when I was like six. Mm. So I went to school um, in Canning Town. There's a school called Ravenscroft Primary School. Um, so actually some of the guys that I came with, I uh, went to school with. Um, and then from there, there's a school called Cumberland. I don't, I don't know if you're aware of mm. Cumberland being from around there. So yeah, there was a secondary school called, called Cumberland. So I went to school and I was raised up in Newham, Kellington. Okay. Yeah. And what, coming from Uganda, what was that? What was that feeling like coming from Uganda, going straight into East London? Do you know what? To be honest with you, it was a, um, it was a change, obviously. Um, but I don't really have too much memories of that because I was still young. Um, my mum uh, back in Uganda, she was well off. So she owned several properties. She had married into like an army general. Um, everyone knows, you know, there's certain 
parts in Africa, you know, that are corrupt. So certain people end up well off, certain people end up yeah. bad off. So not to say not to say he was corrupt or whatever, yeah. but he had uh, wealth. So I'll say like my mum married into this 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 wealth. So not too long after they had been married, uh, he passed away and she inherited, you know, the, the houses and the land that he had. Yeah. Um, and then from there, because he wasn't my biological father, uh, my biological father was already in the UK, so he just wanted me to be with him. Yeah. My mum had uh, other kids, so I went. I went to be with my father. Hence, okay. Yeah, and was so. it just yourself who got uh, flew over from yeah, Uganda? Was yeah, it? Yeah, it was just me. And because so. your mum wanted you to be with your biological dad. Yeah, my um, my dad, my mum had four other kids, yeah. and uh, I think I was a handful from a young age. <laughs> yeah, I was a handful from a young age, so she kind of needed. You know, like, I wouldn't say a little break, but I think she thought it would be better for me to maybe if I had a, a male role model in my life yeah. to come and, you know, and, um, you know, spend some time with my dad. Yeah. Yeah. What age were you when you started getting, when you realised you were actually getting into naughty stuff? Uh, that was in secondary school. Okay. Yeah, that was in secondary school. I, I find it that in secondary school, people try to find themselves. Yeah. So even just going from primary school to secondary school, believe it or not, that's a big shock because it's a change of environment, yeah. you know. Uh, there's older kids, much older from like, you know, from primary school to secondary school, you know, you've got year 70, year 11. So you can imagine someone as a What year age is that? Uh, what's that, like 13, 13, 12? okay. Yeah, something like yeah, okay. that. So you can imagine 12 or 13, now you're with 16 year olds that are about to leave school. So yeah. you tend to look around and find yourself within that, you know. Um, but if I'm gonna be honest with you, I've always been a little shit from young. I try, I try to. Uh, I've always been getting in trouble, man. My whole life has just been a, a, a bit of trouble, you know. So. Do you remember your first bit of trouble? Um, I'll share something with you that I haven't really shared with anyone. My first bit of serious trouble that I got into was my mum's. Was with my mum, so um, uh, we used to have house cleaners uh, in Uganda because we had a lot of properties and my mum needed these properties cleaned and we used to like rent out houses and stuff like that. So um, um, I remember I had a dog because I used to love dogs as a kid. Um, it was a German Shepherd and the, the, the cleaner had uh, cleaned the patio and uh, my dog came onto the patio with like Maddie paws and um, the cleaner hit my dog. So I think I absolutely lost it. This is like the very earliest bit of trouble that I got into. Mm. And, uh, I just I just went into a rage and I picked up stones and I started throwing them at the cleaner for hitting my dog. Mm. So as a punishment, my mum locked me into locked me in one of these houses um, every day, right? As a punishment uh, for three weeks, from sunrise to sunset, empty house. So you can imagine as a young kid, the mind frame, mm. that, that, the mind state that that does to you, you know. So every time I would wake up, she would say, right. And I think this must have been during like school holidays or something like that. Right. Tsh, empty house. It was a very empty, massive house. So I can see kids playing out. And, you know, it's like a hard bit of porridge mm. at a young age. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, it's only now that I've become a man that I've realized that these things have a detrimental effect, you know, upon you, you mm. know. Um, yeah. So what age was it when trouble really come about in so East London at the time? Were you talking 15, 16, 17, 18? What was, what was that, <laughs> those years? So this, for me, this was in year 10. Which is what age? Uh, 14, 15. Okay. 
year 10, 14, 15, um, I had been hanging around um, with some boys. So look, in school, you got you got a school life. Outside school, there's the, um, the area boys, the local boys that roll around in a pedal bike, small splits. And this happens in every community. Mm. Uh, I uh, started hanging around with the boys outside school, um, the local boys, and they used to smoke a bit of weed and... I could see that they used to do a little bit of hustle, selling puff and selling other th- other things. So for me at that time, I tried a bit of cannabis. I got into the habit of smoking cannabis and uh, I needed to fund that habit, right? So um, what I did, obviously you're not going to be asking your mom for money every day, mm-hmm. you know, so you can buy a puff. Mm-hmm. And at this time, when I went to move with my dad, he had, uh, he was with someone else. So stepmother of mine. And um, so she was like a mother figure for me growing up. Obviously, I couldn't go to her and ask her for money. Um, so I, I got uh, a quarter of an ounce, you know, at that age to start off hustling. Yeah. At the time, the profits ain't, man, uh, ain't there, there's basically no profit in it. It's just mm. to keep your habit mm. ticking over. Um, I took drugs into a school. And um, I remember, you know, I remember selling a bit of puff to some kids that were younger than me, um, they reached out to me and asked me, you know, um, can you sell us some some weed? Morally, I knew it was wrong, but they were pushing for it. And they had some money on them as well. I think that must have been at the time, if I was in year 10, they must have been in like year eight, year nine. Mm. Um, I gave them a bit of weed. Giving them a bit of weed, um, they took the weed to the back of the, the, the uh, the back of the field because we had like a massive sports field and they smoked uh that weed when they smoked that weed i think one of them couldn't take take the weed he started he started having like a, mm-hmm. a episode so the kids started rolling around on the floor his little powder he's smoking with didn't know what to do so he freaked out went running down the field looking for any anyone in charge you know like a sports teacher any type of teacher to help him so he can bring awareness to what's happening at the end of the field. So upon doing that, he got a teacher. The teacher came, the kid's still having an episode. I think it's like, you know, too much sun Mm. mixed with a bit Mm. of um, THC. Mm. No. So the teacher came and asked, what just happened here? You know, the kid grasped, rightfully, you know, your friend's in trouble Mm. and, you know, you took a bit of puff Mm. and they ask you what's wrong. You don't really want to be held accountable by making up lies. Mm. They need to get the right, you know, help to help this kid. So he said, uh, you know, we smoked a bit of puff. So the teachers want to know where'd you got where you where did you get that weed from? He said a guy in year 10 called Adam. Right. I'm sitting in a classroom and I remember as I'm sitting there, a friend of mine um over so so the police had come came in because obviously the, the teachers called the police straight mm. away. You know, I think they must have asked the kids, did he? Because, you know, more time when you're selling it, you try to give people options, especially yeah. if the bags are shit. Mm. You try to show yeah. that, hey, like, you yeah. know, they're all the same type of bags. Just a special you know? one. Yeah, this this one's for you. Yeah, 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 for you. Yeah. So, you must have passed this information on. And, uh, yeah, the police got called into the school. The school, the police came into the school. I'm sat in class. None the wiser what's happening downstairs. One of my friends come up into the class and he goes, woof. He goes, I just heard the police are downstairs. I've heard your name. You know, the teacher passing information mm. to the police. So uh, the teacher came upstairs with the police. Obviously, the police don't know what I look like. He needs to identify who, you know, Adam McGansey is from mm. 10B or mm. whatever. 
And uh, the teacher came up, pointed at me. But but before the teacher came up, the uh, my friend alerted me and said to me, you know, yo, you know, there's police outside. And I panicked. And to be honest with you, I was a bit of a dick in school. You know, you make fun of other people's expenses. Yeah. So in that situation, you look around and you see the the whole classroom's looking at you. And I'm I, I'm thinking, well, who do I give this bag to? You know, mm -hmm. I need to give this bag to someone because they take me away. I don't want to say I got a bag. You know, I, I don't want to own up to anything. So there's one kid that I used to like wedgie and, you know, give him a mm -hmm. hard time. So out of everyone, everyone in a classroom, everyone put their head down. The kid put his hand up. He goes, I'll help you. In that precise moment of time, I felt so much guilt for everything mm. that I'd put him through. Because mm. now, everyone that you thought were friends with you, no one wants to help you. And this kid that you've been wedging for years, for the past four years, <laughs> he's looking to help yeah, you, yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, the teachers came up with the coppers and they asked, uh, Adam, I put my hand up. I said, yes, that's me. They said, can you come out, please? So they've took me to a separate room to interview. They're just asking me, because obviously they can't interview me. I need a like an adult with me. Yeah. So they're asking me, did you sell weed, blah, blah, blah. They're asking me about a bag. I remember it was a black Nike bag. They said, uh, did you come with a bag? I said, I didn't come with no bag. I ain't got no bag. I said, these are lies. I didn't sell anyone any weed. So as we're in there, right, I hear knock, knock, knock. Right, the door opens. As the door opens, guess who hands in the bag? The same kid I've been wedgie in for the past four years. And he had a smirk on his face. I'll never forget his name. Mm. Hey, I, I don't hold no feelings. But What's his name? His name's Robert. You know, he's probably going to be watching this. <laughs> that was like a payback. <laughs> I remember his first answer name, but I won't give his first answer away. His name's Robert. He handed in the bag and he had a little smirk on his yeah. face. <laughs> I'll get you right. back. Yeah, take that. Right. I was like permanently excluded. Mm. Uh, so you got expelled from that school? Permanently. Okay. And that was at the age of what age? Uh 14, 15, 15, okay. 14, 15, between that age. And then after that, what was your journey after that? So my journey after that from from um, from school, especially not proper school, they take you into a, a, a centre. So now you're, pro, you know, you, you're a tender centre, you don't go to school because yeah. you've got to finish your, is it SATs? Yeah. GCSEs, GCSEs. Mm -hmm. you got to finish your GCSEs and some of these centres don't have all the subjects that, are, that you'd have in a normal school. Yeah. So in there, you meet all types of kids, kids that have been kicked out of school. So now the company that you're keeping is just like you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So um, from then, uh, my, my, my interest in school just went out the window. Um, just went out the window. So I just started focusing more on selling drugs um, within the community. Uh, so I went into selling weed, sold a bit of uh, weed. And then the more money you make, from selling weed, you branch out into like stuff like Coke, you know, um, you sell a bit of Coke on the weekends, you know, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And then what comes with that as well is, uh, you know, like patches when people sell drugs in mm -hmm. local areas, most of the times when there's drugs involved, there's going to be yeah. territorial Postcodes. Yeah, situations. Yeah. Um, and then from those situations, to be honest with you, we, um, bypass the knife carrying you know nowadays there's like a fashion to carry knives yeah. what year are we talking here roughly we're talking two five two six two thousand two thousand five two thousand yes. okay okay um so we went straight into guns we didn't carry knives you know um if i'm going to be honest with you i've, I've never really I, 
knives are a bit messy, so it's not my preferred weapon of choice. Mm. I've never really, you know, done anything with knives. Went straight to guns. Um, and we're talking about high-powered, you know, handguns. Yeah. At uh, what like age that. was this? That was like 16. 16. 17, what yeah. sort of guns you get your hands on? Uh, my first gun was actually a 4 4 uh, um, caliber handgun, um, six inch barrel, snub nose. That was a, a, a that was a weapon, you know. Um, it was very intimidating because uh, I think the bullets bullets were about this big, yeah. you know. And it's one of those guns that if you do fire it, um, car alarms tend to go off and yeah. it's 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 a uh, it packs a kick. Mm. Um, my mum found that actually the first gun that my mum found was a shotgun, and um, she threw that shotgun in the bin. And the bin men took that. I was very, very upset. At the time, just, you know, farmer, farmer shotguns, yeah. you get them for 500 pounds. Yeah. And I was very upset. She found it, she didn't say anything. She threw it in the bin. So I didn't approach her about it. The second time round, she found this um, 4-4 snub nose that I had. And we, we, I had spent a couple thousand pounds on that. So as a 16, 17 year old, if you're spending three and a half thousand pound you're doing all right selling drugs. Yeah, to but fund that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 but yeah. Um, if that gets taken, you have to address the situation. And my yeah. mum took that, but she hadn't thrown it away. So my sister come to me because, uh, funny enough, because it's small and it's uh, it's uh, concealable. Mm. You tend to leave it in loose places. It's not like a sawn off shotgun. Yeah. You gotta find this particular yeah, yeah. place to hide it. You mm. know, you can. I remember I left it in a in a drawer as a one off. My mum went in there, opened it, I used to keep it in a sock. She went in there, opened the drawer. When she's opened the drawer, she's took it. Every time I go out, I have to have it on me just in case. Were you carrying everywhere you went? Everywhere I went, right. Everywhere. Listen, every prior to going to prison, you would never see me, apart from the leading up to the time, right? Um, that's the one time that I didn't have it, but we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah. So before I've gone out, my sister told me, mum's mom, find your gun. So I'm like, oh, shit. I can't say something now, right? So I pulled her, you know, for a conversation. I said, Mom, um, you, you found something in, the, in in my room. And uh, she looked at me. I, she, I, I sensed a, a, form of, you know, a sense of, uh, you know, um, disappointment. Mm. She said, yeah, I did. So now I'm thinking, shit, man, I'm going to get out of this situation. I said, oh, Mom, I need that back. She said to me, no, why? So now I'm thinking to myself, I've got to come up with a good reason for why I need this gun back. Yeah. Right, I can't, can't say, oh, you just in yeah. case I need to shoot people. Case, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I said to her, it's not mine, right? Uh, it's someone else's. And I can get in a lot of trouble for this. You know, I was doing it as a favor, mm. a stupid favor, but I, I got to return it back today. I need it back. So my mom gave me an option. She said, listen, um, you got to choose the gun or the house. Um, so I chose the gun. The gun or to live in this house? Yes. Okay. You choose you take the gun and you leave yep. or I keep it and throw it away and you can stay in the house. Right. And at the time, to be honest with you, I was a bad influence towards my siblings. I'll come into the house smelling all weed, you know. Um, she knows me to be doing things that ain't so legitimate. Um, I'll come in the house high. I never eat with the house. I'll come in high, go straight upstairs. Um, but so, so when she did kick me out of the house, when I chose the gun and left the house, um, I had to apply for um, accommodation. 
through the council because yeah. you know I'm still under 18 I'm like approaching 16 17 18 sorry 17 16 17 so it falls upon the duty of the uh, council to try and house me so they have you in uh, they have you in in how um, what would you call it hostels and stuff like yeah. that right I'm still running around in the street to my friends um, so one day we got into a situation where uh, a friend of mine who's now dead, um, he got into a situation where he had been beaten up by a group of boys. Whereabouts? Uh, this happened in Canning Town. Yeah. Beaten up by a group of boys. And coincidentally, it's as though it was meant to be. I was outside the house with one of my other friends when this friend of mine who wasn't actually really friends with me, we just said hello and bye yeah. through someone else. <clears throat> he came to me. And he had asked me, you know, he said to me, listen, I've just been beaten up by a group of boys. I need you to help me, you know. Um, I want a, like a one-on-one -on -one type of situation with the boys. So I, I came there as a form of sense of like a security yeah. just to ensure that no one else mm -hmm. jumps in. But when we've got there, um, to these group of boys and we've confronted them, um, it, we ended up rushing the main corporate. So in this situation, the main corporate ended up getting stabbed, which, if I'm going to be honest, I didn't know about, right? But I had a dog with me because I love dogs, like I said earlier. The dog done whatever it done. What uh, dog? What type of dog? Uh, I had a English Bull Terrier. Yes, naughty. Uh, mm. Done what it done. And um, yeah, we left the vicinity. How many, how many lads were there that day? On your side and on, on their side? On my side, it's <clears> probably <throat> about three. There was about three of us in total. And them? Uh, probably about six, seven of them. And then when you saw them, one of one of they them froze. They, they froze. froze. They froze. Okay. They froze. Um, were they carrying? Uh, where we caught them, we caught them in a vulnerable position. Okay. Where they weren't able to retaliate. Okay. Um, and then... When you say caught them in a vulnerable position, what do you mean by that? Uh, in, a, in a certain area where they couldn't run or they couldn't we caught him in an area in a you know and we actually brazenly done this in in the presence of cameras yeah you know but we caught them in a very very vulnerable um uh situation one of them ended up getting stabbed there was blood everywhere claret everywhere I didn't think nothing of it you know until you know I found out that he was related the kid was related to like a drug baron's uh brother little brother he was a drug baron's drug baron. That was yeah. his little brother. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, at the time, I was still running around. You know, we're still doing what we do, what what you do at, at age of sixteen, seventeen. So from there, you know, gloves were all off. Yeah. Because the kid had his uh, forehead blood coming from his forehead. He's been stabbed. The the the, the dog was locked drawing him or stamping him out. The whole thing. So I remember they shouted my name as we were leaving. I didn't think nothing of it. You know, a couple of weeks have gone by, I don't think nothing of it. I'm into mopeds, buying yeah. mopeds. And I've heard something, rumors in the air, yo, you know, you know, uh, yo, wanted man. Yeah. So you know, you tend to take that with a pinch of salt, mm. like, you know, wanted for what? And uh, yeah, it actually came into fruition, you know, the uh, the attempt was made on me brazenly, you know, in, in front of a, a secondary school broad daylight at lunchtime. Did you know that there was a bounty on your head at that time? Yeah, but I didn't I didn't know how much until I got older. Okay. I found out exactly how much was was put How on much head. was on your head at that moment? A hundred thousand pounds so I had a hundred thousand pound debt. Oh, yeah. To get rid of you. To get rid of this because obviously you know it's sometimes it's the passion. It, it may not be the uh, 
caliber of the person. Yeah. But it's the violation that, that the persons took because they don't they don't really care the caliber of the person. They're like, listen, rub this kid out. Yeah. Whoever rubs this kid out, you know, whether you get nicked or you get away with it, this is what's basically replace your life with this. Yeah. And uh I remember that precise day when I, I got stabbed. I was uh, actually in the process of picking up drugs. Hold on. That was the same day you got stabbed, or this is another no, day? No, this is another time. Another day you got stabbed. Yeah. So my picture actually got taken. I don't know if you remember MySpace. Do you remember yeah. MySpace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in that process, even though I used to like doing like, you know, um, uh, extracurricular activity at, mm. at the household or whatever, mm. I, I used to, I, I, I loved the music, mm. you know, so I, I thought I was going to be like a rapper. Like, yeah, I'll try it. I'll try my luck in this. So in that process, you know, you got to put, put your, your, your pictures out there and, you know, mm. MySpace. Mm. <laughs> These guys went on MySpace, took my picture off MySpace. There he is, you know. So you can't really be. That's when I think it actually dawned on me at sixteen, seventeen. <clears throat> you can't actually be a rapper and be doing yeah. the criminal activities mm. that you claim to be rapping about. Because mm. if the police don't get you, the actual gangsters will get mm. you. You know, <laughs> you got shows to attend to. They will just come there yeah. and catch you. You yeah. know. They printed my picture off MySpace and handed it around. From, you know, kids that pedal bike to guys that ride bikes to guys that ride cars. If you see this kid walking around, make the call. And I uh, went to go uh, meet uh, a dealer who used to sell, like, you know, big bits of yeah. drugs. And a kid saw me on a pedal bike um, waiting for the dealer to pull up. So the call was made. In the process of the call being made, um, some of them boys that were there when we caught them, they were the first batch to turn up. And I remember looking at these boys and I'm thinking, I had you lot in a compromising position that like, mm. I'm not going to run from music. I didn't think there was more to come. Yeah. All of a sudden, motorbikes are pulled up, um, cars are pulled up. And that's when the initial beating started for me, you know, um, bike helmets, you know, the, mm. the chains that you used to lock mm. your bike, stumped out the whole shebang. My memory went blank. I don't remember anything. All I remember is being put on a stretcher. But in that process, I'm hearing there's a, a dude that came with like a hand samurai or whatever he had, sunk it into my stomach. So if I was, if you're unconscious or if you're asleep and someone slaps you or mm. does something to you and you wake up out of your sleep, mm. that was the initial stage that I underwent, you know. So he sunk it into my stomach a couple of times. I remember being put on a stretcher with blood coming out of my mouth. Um, they cut your clothes off because they don't know where else yeah. you've been stabbed. Yeah. A uh, broad daylight, I remember seeing some little Chinese kid looking at me like that little girl crying, mm. dropped a box of chicken, chicken yeah. and chips that she had as I'm being put on a stretcher. Next thing I wake up, uh, three, two weeks later, you know, with like, you know, you wake up with tubes in your throat, yeah. um, tubes running down your, you know, your private parts to help you go, you know, go yeah, to it and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Jeez. And that's that one time I got caught, <laughs> I got yeah. caught without it, yeah. you know. Um, so that's one time you weren't carrying a gun. That what, that's that one time. That is that a godsend? Is that a good thing you weren't carrying that day? Looking back now as an adult, looking back going, if I was carrying, I'd end up shooting loads of people. Uh, do you know what? Yes. But that all doesn't matter because when I, when I, as I got older, this is something that I've gone into. Yeah. You know, um, so it was kind of a godsend because I would have shot multiple people. And I probably won't even be sitting here because yeah. uh, I would have probably just gone, you know, either attempted murders or murder times two, yeah. or, you know. So in that situation, that that's what led after I got out of hospital because they, they gave me a zipper. 
and then staple all your guts inside. You put your guts inside and staple you back together. Um, after I got out of hospital, that's when uh, my life took the turn for the worst. Now I've gone into, you know, dove into guns even deeper, you know. What was your, when you were in hospital, what was your attitude at the time? Were your attitude right? I'm going to go and get them. Revenge. Nah, this space. Do, do, do you, you, to be honest with you, I was in a process of trying to heal because I was thinking, shit, man, I need to get out of this position. Because I, I, I'm not going to lie, I was in a such a vulnerable position that I've never really told anyone this. I was actually paranoid that they could come and finish the job while I was That's in That's what hospital. I mean. That's yeah, just sitting there in, your, hell, in yeah. your bed. There was yeah. no old Bill standing no, there waiting. No, 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 okay. no. So I was just laying there. Yeah. I remember I used to press that, that morphine. Yeah. I used to press that so much so that it stopped working. Yeah. You know, the pain normally. So when you get stabbed, what? The initial stabbing doesn't hurt because mm. your adrenaline is rushing, mm. you know, you feel like you're being punched. Mm. But the healing process is that's where the pain is, right? You know, because it felt like my belly had coal inside it. Yeah. At night time, when everyone's falling asleep, I'm rolling around in my bed. I remember pressing up your hospital bed and it sits you up, you know, yeah. just to try and help ease the pain. So you move around in all types of angles. I had to move around in a zoomer frame, you know, zoomer frame, like an old person because I was stitched together. How was. long did it take? How long were you walking around like this for? In a really vulnerable position? Uh, probably about a month. Right, okay. Yeah. I, I, after I got out of the coma. Yeah. Because I was in a coma. Um, so you were in a coma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in a coma. I woke up two weeks later. Yeah, I woke up two weeks later. Um, you know, that was a situation um, for me. And I'm not going to lie. That's one of the times I felt vulnerable. If, if, if you start asking me any moments in your life you felt vulnerable, that was a moment in my life I felt I vulnerable. You know? Because I was in the position to defend myself if if anyone comes in, you know, all they got to do is just push me over. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what, I mean? what was the what was the movement you come out of there then? What was going through your mind when you came out of hospital? You said it you took a turn for the worse. What happened there? I I started um you know, I started applying pressure on people. Um so I, as soon as I got out of hospital, I invested in another gun. You said you were applying pressure on who? Uh, I, I I went into like robberies, uh, robberies, um, shootings, and and any any type of trade, you know. So I was out for revenge, to be honest. But that didn't even really last long because um, the police were on me straight away because of the uh, type of pressure I was applying. So, you know, I'm the type of guy that you find in in your alleyway, dark at night. You know, I'll just pop out from the the darkest part of the alleyway and you know slide on you you know yeah. um yeah that didn't last long because is that where the nickname ghost come from yeah yeah my name my name uh, we'll get into that a bit yeah. more as it goes yeah, along yeah, yeah. um i you know i thrive off of catching you by surprise i'm not i'm not the type of guy that will see you in a high street and just jump out yeah. and, ah, no i uh oper i'm an opportunist you know i take my time you know i treat every you know opportunity like it's you know, you got one time to do this, so I don't leave you with enough space to wiggle out of the situation. You know, um, calculated. Yeah, very, very. Mm. Is, uh, something that I've realised as I've gone on and I've done the the, the the huge amount of time that I've done in prison, I'm I'm not an irrational, an, an erratic person. Yeah. You know, I'll think. Uh, yes, yeah. I want you to know when I get you. I want you to know that. Listen, this is it. You mm. know, there is no. You know, there's no going back. Mm. You know, I'm not here to talk. And I've never really been the type of person that talks up. You know, I, I walk up and I put you in a bad position. I don't talk. I do what I do and I just carry on walking like nothing's happened. Um, the kind of mind frame that I developed is that it's already happened. You know, even when I did used to do the robberies that I used to do, um, the armed robberies, in my head, as psychotic as it sounds, 
what I'm about to do right now has already took place. Yeah. Like that's how I get into that mind frame because yeah. I, I don't do drugs. I don't, you know, I didn't, you know, um, need drugs or anything like that to boost boost me up or my mm -hmm. self-confidence. I was very confident, you know, um, uh, type of person. I would shake down a room of 30 people, me and another person. I just need someone else to carry um, what do you mean you shake down a room with 30 people? You know, a uh, type of person that will have the whole party under siege, just me and another person, you know. Um, and I don't use the whole aggressive aggressive demeanour, you know. Ah, I don't come in there shouting. I come in there very calm. So calm is chilling, yeah. you know. Um, and my words are very clear. It's not, you know... I'm not mixing them up. The whole situation is I don't, you know, I'm not. If I don't, if I don't need to kick the door in, if the entry needs to be smooth, and when the entry is smooth, you're fucked. Uh, sorry, I don't know. If yeah, 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 yeah. Your yeah, entry yeah. you know, you're fucked yeah. because the neighbors ain't gonna hear you. Yeah. you know, by the time they hear something, you're fucked. You yeah. know, I'm in here right now, and this is what's happening. Most of the times, people comply by that. So you're what six foot four, I'm eighteen, foot. nineteen stone, twenty yeah. stone. Yeah, I'm six foot muscle. four, seventeen and a half. Seventeen and a half stone. stone. Yeah, just, so you've always been a big lump. All no, growing up, or no, this no, happening? No, I was skinny. I uh, I was skinny. So when I started applying pressure at the age of seventeen, uh, people started uh, calling uh, the police on me. You know, oh, you know this like a fucking maniac's got a gun and he's, he's robbing the whole community and he's doing this, this, and that. So I uh, um, I remember once. The first, the second time I actually got in, not second time, I'm, I don't even know what time this is, but it's like down the line. I uh, got into a situation with some kids in college where uh, some kids rushed me in college. That was a wrong mistake, you know. I, I, you know, so what I did, at the time I wasn't driving, I got on a bus from the college that I was at, went home and got my gun and come back into the college. In, with my so you gun. got rushed? You went home on a bus, come back, got a gun, and went back into, into the college, the college. to the, find them. Yes, and I, and I did find them. But the crazy thing is, I got rushed in front of a bird. <laughs> that makes everything <laughs> tenfold worse. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I get beat up in front of my mates, you know, someone can console you. But you know, when you get beat up in front of mm. a bird, you're thinking, whoa. Mm. Like, if anything happens to you in front of your missus, you're thinking, listen, yeah. I've got to fucking get on this. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's not the same as getting beat up in front of your pal. Like, just this is normal. Guys mm. witness this, but women are so dramatic mm. that they'll take a minute little situation and just and magnify. Yeah, yeah, and then on top of yeah. that as well, you know, man, you know, yeah. you got beat up at some boys yeah. down yeah. the road. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Your pride kicks into play. I remember getting getting on the bus, and when I got my shotgun, come back to the college, and I see one of the boys that was part of the group that uh, jumped me, and um, yeah, I caught him in an estate. I chased him down in the estate. He he was a bit quick, so I knew I wasn't gonna catch him. And what I wasn't gonna do is shoot him right outside the uh, college. So I whacked him uh, with the gun, um, like it was a base shit, like a baseball bat, and clamped him over the head. And um, blood started pouring out of him. He started screaming, got up off his feet, run straight into the college entrance. And he told the security, you know, he's got a gun. So I see him grasping me up. I'm thinking, mate, where was that energy half an hour, 20 mm. minutes, you know, 45 minutes ago? You and your pals were applying pressure on me. I've come back by myself. You're not with your pals. Now you're grasping me. So I stashed the shotgun, went into class. I remember I used to do art and design in this college. As I'm sat in a class, remember the story I told you about when the uh, professor, this time it's the lecturer, mm. gets called out. Mm. He comes in. I'm sat in a class, I'm carrying a big art folder, like nothing's happened. All of a sudden, armed police rush the classroom. Armed oh, police! 
you know how they come in, they come in with yeah, that sh shock factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah they should yeah, try yeah. and stop you from, I feel sorry for the students that were in there, you know, the little hippie art, you know, kids that do art, they shit themselves, man. I guarantee they were never gonna forget anything like that. Yeah. Aunt, please come in, throw me over the table, the zip tie me, right? Take, drag me out of your class, take me into a holding room. They're like, you know, where's the gun? You know, I don't think it's shit. I was like, what, what gun? But I already anticipated something like this happening. Yeah. What I didn't want to do is whack the kid, leave the vicinity, leave the you know, window of opportunity for police to come to my house. So it's a situation, if you're going to deal with it, even though college is a bad place, yeah. let's deal with it now, yeah. you know? So they've asked me, where's the gun? I said, what gun? They said, the gun that you assaulted Mr. So-and-so with. I said, I didn't have no gun, right? They said, what was it? I said, first and foremost, I didn't assault him. I went to hit him, right? They said, what did you have? I said, I had a scaffolding pole. That's what he saw, right? And he tripped up, yeah, and cracked his head in the process of trying to run away from me, right? So the police actually bought that story. They, um, they bought the story. They actually went nuts on a kid that had them called because, you know, calling in special units yeah. costs money. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, every time they come in, they want to make sure that they've got something there. So they let me go, you know, nothing happened. They couldn't prove anything. It's his word against mine. They're even more pissed that they've been called in and nothing's occurred. Mm. I thought I was smooth. I thought I was calm. Uh, I moved into a flat, right? Two, two, three months later, I thought I was in the clear. Like I said, I have my gun with me all the time. I'm sleeping with it on the windowsill in my flat. I had scaffolding around the flat. Um, I remember Right, I got a, I got a plastic door. Right, I've I've seen these uh SWAT. Uh, I've seen the big red mm. key. You know when yeah, they come yeah, into your yeah. drug dealers' houses and <laughs> yeah. they do the big red key. I've seen that the wooden doors pave in so quick, mm. but it's the thick plastic doors that throw the shock back to the mm. uh, key. So it gives you time. Mm. It gives me time to flash the coke, get rid of the mm. weed, dash the gun out. You know if they do come in. So I got the flat because remember I told you I went through the whole hostel process. Yeah, so yeah, I end yeah. up getting a flat by the council. <clears throat> so they've come I'm asleep so I said I've come um, Sorry let me rewind it back mm. I'm at my mum's house Because I managed to send my mum abroad This is this is the second time they've come from the college I'm at my mum's house I'm asleep Right so we live in a, a, The houses are all attached yeah. Right They're not semi-detached yeah. or whatever They would have to jump over six gardens To get to my mum's house At that time I got a shotgun In the back garden In the fence neighboring just about edging into the neighbor next to the neighbor's fence right so i have the coke i have the weed you know um i got the shotgun stored next thing i hear a helicopter above the the roof of the house so upon hearing that i wake up i'm thinking what the hell i remember i was in my boxes so the helicopter's covering the back of the house i'm gonna have six armed officers jumping over mm. the fences and they're at the front They've opened the door. I, I come running down the stairs in my boxes, frantic. The door flies open. Oh, police! I'm in my boxes. I'm thinking, shit. Luckily, I'd sent my mom abroad. At this age, I was I was 17, remember? Yeah. From weed. Yeah, 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 so yeah, I've yeah, had yeah. money. I've sent yeah. my mom abroad. I said, I'm sorry, mom. Yeah. So I, I've occupied her house. And the drug land that I had was in that locality because that's where I'm from, yeah. right? <clears throat> police have paved in the door. Caught me at the bottom of the stairs in my boxes. I don't know where I was running. Right, but um, screaming six different instructions, hands behind your mm. head. 
So I'm thinking to myself, Sh shit, man, this is bad. My older sister was in the house at the time. I got laser beams on my chest. And uh Oh shotguns on you. On no, 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 no. You know, like come yeah, MP5. The, yeah, so, pimp, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I got laser beams on yeah. me. Like stand still. So I'm, I'm like this. Sorry, I'm like this. They got shields. You can't even see who it is. They got black masks okay. on. So I get on my knees, uh, hands behind my head. So they come into the house, they chat me into the back of the car. I'm in the back of the car. I remember seeing my, I'm in my boxes and I got foil around me, right? I remember seeing my sister coming out, walking past the car, looking at me. She's there, 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 there. They're civilians, they're, you know, taxpayers, they're by by the law. Did, your, did your sister know what was going on? Did no. she know what you were up to? No, no, no. my sister, okay. me and my sister never really used to connect like that. Yeah, okay. We just used to say hi and bye, yeah, 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 yeah. even though we used to live under the same roof. Yeah. Um, she's looked at me as she's walking. I'll never forget that look as she's walking past the car. I'm thinking, shit, at that time, I'm more scared of Skip. her yeah. than what the police. And I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I hope the police take me away because I don't know if I'm going to be able to deal with this situation yeah. here. So they've gone in the house. I'm thinking, I'm gone, mate. I'm I'm going to jail. They've searched the house, gone into the back garden, ripped it apart. They've let me go. They didn't find the gun, the drugs, nothing. They didn't arrest me. So I'm thinking, what's happening? Come back after they've left, searched the back of the garden. I found my shotgun there in the bag that I used to carry it in. Like I, I found my, my drugs, a couple of answers of coke that I had. I'm thinking, mate, what's happening? How come they didn't find it? Happy days. Eventually, my mum's come back. Fast forward, moving into this to flat. flat yeah. Yes, into the flat. Yeah. I'm asleep. Right. I hear, doof. remember this scuffling yeah. around the flat. I hear, oh, police. Again, I'm like, oh my gosh. Get out this time. Now I'm thinking, because the shotgun's by the windowsill next to my bed, I open the balcony door, throw the shotgun out. The shotgun hits who? Hits the armed officer who had a Glock with a torch pointing at me. He disappeared off the scaffolding. I'm thinking, shit. <laughs> I can't go no this. I'm as yeah. guilty as can be. Yeah, I can't yeah, go, yeah. oh yeah, I wasn't me, yeah. but the, the guy just disappeared. At that time, I swear to God, I thought they were gonna shoot me. Mm. Right? Because you know you, you got you flare your arms mm. around, you know, because you just put something in you. At the time I'm like 17, I'm approaching 18. So they disappeared off the scaffolding, they've jumped off the scaffolding, weighed me in, because they got masks on, they're mm. all just the same. You can't see anything. Mm. Zip tie me, whack, 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 take me into my front guard, uh, front uh, living room. Pitch black, whack, 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 oh, blood leaking out of me. Uh, dash me into the back of the car. I'm in the back of the car, man. Uh, it's the first time I went to jail. First time, like, they were reluctant. They had, definitely had an informant that was telling them, listen, you still mm. got it, you still got it. And they came through and eventually they got it. That was the first time I went to prison for. And how long did you get? I got three years for possession of a prohibited weapon. Uh, three years. Obviously, I spun the whole "I'm a victim" type of story, you know. Uh, you know, I was forced to hold it. As long as you got guilty, the feds don't need to turn up and give a statement against you. There's no trial. Yep. Now you got to give mitigating circumstances to why you've got the gun to begin with. Yep. So I said, "Yeah, you're honor. You know, you write a letter to the judge, yep. hoping that he buys it. You know, yep. I didn't mean it. And at the precise moment, the time as you're going through trial, you like to convince yourself that, mm. you know, if I get out of this, I'm not going to do this no more. You know, only when I got worse. Because yep. now, now that I'm in prison. <laughs> it's like a supermax school where all the young boys are yeah. ranging from murder, attempted murder, arson, possession of firearm, shootings, you know, all that type of stuff. And at that time when I got my first taste of prison, I was like, do you know what? This is actually not bad, you know? What and prison What prison was it? I was in, uh, I started off in Chelmsford. Yeah. And then I went to um, Feltham. Mm. 
that was actually a bad experience because I experienced bullying going on. And it wasn't a bad experience for me, but it was a bad experience for those around me. And me having to witness it, because I'm a person, I can't stand injustice. I see any type of injustice. I have to say, I'll step up and say something, but the type of bullying that happens, that was happening in the prison at that time. Give me an example of what sort of bullying was going on. So everyone would get together and um, they'll call someone at the window. And they can, the person at the calling at the window is mentally unstable. And they will encourage the person to commit suicide. And you have about 10, 15 people banging on the window with the same rhythm. And you hear them going, kill yourself. And the guy underneath, his mental health is so unstable. He's on like an act. It's called like a, you know, act is called yeah. a, a prevention for suicide yeah. type yeah. of thing. You know, there'll be beatings that regularly happen in the shower, whereas, you know, someone regularly gets beaten up. And me as a man, having, to, obviously as a young boy at the time, but having to witness that, that chips away at me, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't really know why it's getting beaten up, but I know this ain't right, do you know what I mean? But there was a lot of bad bullying that used to occur mm. in there. Um, so you did, you got a three years there. You, what'd you do? do year 18 and a half. Months, yeah, do 18 year and a half. When you come out, did I you- went, I went Rochester after that. Okay. Yeah, HMP Rochester. So you did your 18 year. months? You yeah, came out, yeah. were you thinking, right, I'm going clean now? Or were you thinking, you know, nah, I'm going... I was like, I need to make some money. I, I did, from there, a full-fledged robber. I, I have What sort to, of robberies? Uh, damn politicians. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah. Well, armed robberies. Armed robberies. Guns, yeah. Guns with politicians? I damn politicians. Give me an example. Uh, I I'm not going to say the politicians. No, 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 but yeah. what did you do to a politician? Ah, oh, we went inside his house. And uh, I think he had a lot of money in his house. So believe it or not, even though, you know, we're like the poster boys of, you know, criminality, but the po the actual real uh, criminals, some these, a lot of these politicians, man, they just have yeah. suits on. Yeah, they're, just, right. they're dressed appealingly yeah. to the, you know, um, they actually are the real, real um, politicians. So we, there was a politician and he was, he had a mate of his that um, had a fallout over. No, um, so upon them having a fallout, we got the call, you know, hey, listen, this guy has got so and so amount of money in the house. I'll give you one of the safes. You go in there with this information, you act upon that information as though you know where the rest of the, you know, you know where this safe is. Um, he, you get him to open the safe. Obviously, you know, it's, someone's got a huge amount of money in the house. They're not going to store three million in one no, place. They're going to no, store, yeah, 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 they're going to yeah, have yeah. inbuilt safes. Mm. Within the uh, you know the, the the premises, and they're gonna store you know two hundred grand in one safe. Mm. So if armed robbers ever do come through because what they're doing is not right. Mm. You're in that field despite the fact that you got a suit, you know, and you yeah. got an expensive cars. Yeah. If someone ever does come through because someone within your circle set you up, you point out two hundred grand. You know the robbers will take that, and that'll be enough. But and more common sense. Especially if you've been given this inside information. You'll be looking for more. You'll be looking for more because you know, right, that's one safe. Yeah. We know there's at least three million in here. So um, we've done a politician that had a very, very expensive, massive home. You know, Whereabouts? Um, Whereabouts in London? <laughs> I can't say. It wasn't even in London. It wasn't? No, it wasn't even. It was Where outside was it? London. Whereabouts? It was more uh, outside, more towards, uh, you know, like Essex okay. type. Essex, so the, ha the houses are huge. Yeah. Um, he was corrupt as can be, man. They all are, you know. They, they, as Did that know. make you feel better for doing that, knowing that they're corrupt politicians going, you know what, I'm doing a job here, but I know he's corrupt anyway. Of course, because so. um, as I got out, 
I, I couldn't be bothered to hustle anymore. I'm not selling drugs no more. Yeah. I was like, screw that. It's too much information. There's too much uh, energy put into that. You know, you've got to make sure this is- So many moving sure. parts of it, Yes, and there? now yeah. we're confiscating cash. And the thing is with me, I was never too shy <clears throat> to shoot people during robberies. You know, I was always one of those guys, if I do come, I come in very politely. You know, I expect, you know, I've caught you. You know, when someone's caught you, mm. Hands uh, up. You can't, it's, yeah. I'm not here to, and most of the times it's your closest friend that this information's come from. You know, I won't let you know that, mm. you know, but I've come for A, B, and C. If you try to put up a resistance, I'm going to put up, I'm going to, you know, ret retaliate with um, force, which is going to be sometime, you know, it's going to be over the top. I'm not here for that. I'm here for, for the cash. And in those robberies, there's been one or two people or three people that have actually tried to put up a fight and stuff's got left in that process. Um, so we've done politicians. We used to do drug dealers. Taxing so, drug dealers or just no, going, knowing they've got big loads of- Confiscating. So with drug dealers, yeah. the common mistake that they make is that once they start making a lot of money, they, they start talking down to people okay, yeah. that work with them or they start to shortcut. You know, if you and me are both dealing yeah. and we're in this 50-50, all of a sudden now, I'm turning around because I've got the connect and you've got the distribution. Yeah. You know, I turn around, I'm saying to you, yeah, listen, I think it's, you know, the, the, the price has gone up and you find out I'm lying. Yeah. You know, so it goes from 50-50 and it's 70-30 or 60-40. Mm. You're not happy with that? You give me a call. You know, I always had phones uh, that would take, you know, um, calls, you know, uh, drug dealers. So they'll call me and they say, listen, 50-50. And the thing is with me and, and my boys who were doing that were never part of a gang. We were just opportunists, you know. We've never, ever been part of a gang. We're just opportunists um, that will take up whatever makes sense. We'll, we'll be there, we'll clean up, you know, if it's... You know, if we have to turn up and confiscate, if we have to do someone, if we, whatever it is, mm. if it makes sense, we've got a man for that. Would you normally take a price up front or would you go, right, if you go and get 300 grand out of a politician's house, you take your ton 50 and we'll take the ton 50, or would you say, no, I want X amount up front? Oh, no, do you know what? That, that 300 grand out of the politician's yeah. house, that would be, most of the time, would be spiked. Mm. You know, because the person that's put us on it doesn't even want the money. Yeah. He just wants that oh, person okay. to Suffer. experience, yes. <clears throat> yeah. So that would always be, it's not always, it's most of the times, depending on what we've taken out, he'll be like, you know, he just wants to hear the story from yeah. his power the next day, what happened. Yeah. His fuckers come through and fucking, yeah. oh, he's fucking done this. And he's, he's you know, yeah. he's this, you know. So. <clears throat> Was there any nerves from you going into doing any of these jobs? No, because I convinced myself before I came in to confiscate what I'm confiscating that it's mine. Yeah. What's in there is mine. I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. You know, you know, even if I pass by, I walk past, I'm not doing anything wrong. What I'm taking back already belongs to me. So I've lent it to someone, they're not giving it back to me. Yeah. So that's the type of mentality that me and my friends had. Yeah. You know, um, so if so you would have all this set up in your mind, if the old Bill come or someone come in, you got all the story straight, straight away. Yeah, the old yeah. Bill will never catch us there. Yeah. In and out. Remember, I've done my whole, hence that's the whole point of doing the homework. Yeah. You know, knowing what time you finish work. There's been times, you know, you stick a track on someone's car mm. or you follow them back. I watch you finishing work. I know what time you leave work, what time you finish work, where you, what car you drive, what car your wife drives, where your kids go to school. All of that will take time because I'm trying to build a picture. Build a picture. Yeah. Know who I'm robbing. You always got to know who you're robbing because you've got to re expect retaliation, right? Yeah. At some point, even if it's a civilian, mm. you know, someone that pays the tax. 
he's going to have a relative that finds out about this and they're not going to be happy. So you got to know how far am I going to push this if there's blowback on this, yeah. you know? And what I tend to do, sorry, with like drug dealers, because I, I uh, had uh, coke links. We had Vietnamese that used to grow uh, cannabis. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, people that used to do money laundering, all types of stuff. So my phone, just like our dealer's phone would ring off, not just me, me and my boys, our phones would always ring off. So we always have jobs, you know, hey, 100 grand, hey, 90, hey, 150, 140, you know, loan sharks. We always do loan sharks. Yeah. Um, so what? I, how I used to do, or what I used to do is, if I do do a, a big drug dealer, if we do do a big drug dealer, and this come from his right hand man, I would make sure um, that when we do come through the vicinity, we put it on the drug, and, and oh, the right hand man will always say, "Listen, give him a couple of fucking mm. right hooks, left hooks, bust his nose." Yeah. The yeah. You know, obviously I got to pop his nose as well, mm. you know, because we're both in there, mm. and we got to pretend we're searching, but we know exactly where it is because we always get a text. Yeah. In here, right now, 200K, 150K, 180K address, right now, I'm in here. That's how we function. So, so then you'd operate you straight away. Bang. Straight away, because we always had cars <laughs> plated up yeah. within the area. We always had guns, always guns are stashed up in the area. We have cars with plates. So what yeah. we do is get cars, get yeah. plates, clone them, make sure that the plates are... Um, the plates are matching to a car that's legal. Yeah. So as soon as we get text, I always be with the with the boys. Yeah. Um, run it by them. We're flying through there, so we come through. So I, while I was in prison, what I, what I saw was a, there was a, a program called SWAT. I don't know if you're aware mm. of the program called SWAT. Mm. They clear doors with sledgehammers. Mm. Yeah, sledgehammer. So it depends on the forced entry, especially if we've got knowledge. We'll come through there, pretend where is it? Where is this? Pretend you're searching the uh, cupboards, but we know exactly where yeah. it is, and we find it within. We're in there two minutes max. We found the stash. To protect the fella who's giving you the heads up. Yeah, but the, the guy that's okay. giving us the heads up will be in there. Yeah, but still protecting him. Of course, pretend, of course. Pretending where you're looking. Yeah, of okay. course you've got to cover him. Yeah, yeah. And we'll beat up the, the guy, yeah. we'll duct tape him, beat up the other guy, just bust, pop his yeah. lip or whatever. Take 250, take quarter, quarter mil cash, split. Wow. But now what, what would happen is if the guy that was robbed finds out that it was us, right? It falls upon the guy that put us on in the first place. Mm to make sure that there's no retaliation. Um, you got to talk him out of retaliating. Yeah. If the guy comes to you and he goes, Dodge, listen, the guys that come into the house or Adam, his main name's Adam, and you got to go, oh shit, I've done some research on these guys. Yeah, leave them We've got to charge it. So the game yeah. is where it is, the course. We've got to leave it alone. Yeah. If you fail on doing that, you're liable to get shot. Because mm. then I, I, I don't know if you've stabbed me in the back. Mm. So as a retaliation, if you fail doing that, and I'll let it be known, mm. if you do fail doing that, I'm going to shoot you and your friends. So the responsibility falls upon you to make sure there is no retaliation. Wow. And what age What age were you roughly here when you come out and started getting into this game? How old are you today? I'm 33 now. 33. What age were you when you come out of Nick that first time? You go, right, this is the game that I'm getting into. Uh, 18. 18. 18. So after your 18 months in Nick, you've come out. Yeah, I come out 18. What made you set upon this route? Just a quicker, quick easier cash, route. Quick cash. Okay. I got out. I remember made the uh, first ten months, made a quarter of a mil. So I was like, "Yo, you know, what have I been doing? Just you know, drug dealing yeah. and you know, um, wasting my time. You know, twenty minutes, I'm up, eighty yeah. grand up. Coming to a place, eighty grand comes. You know, I got eighty grand. I always used to do. We always used to do it in groups of threes anyway. So. I'll be carrying a gun. We get the guy that clears the door and we have the guy with the rat sack. Yeah. You know, no more than three people. You know, um, 
actually leading up to me going to prison because I went away to prison. I got I got you know put away for twenty years. So when so how long were you out for? How long were you operating for before you got nicked again? I was operating for a good two three years. Two three years uh, every day. At it every day. Every day. Every day. We had a list of addresses. Every whoever puts me on something. Because what we used to do is not just robberies. We do, you know, we used to have meetings. So we had meetings, envelopes get passed in a meeting, and the envelope gets passed pictures, addresses with a price. You know, I'm sure you know what that yeah. means. Yeah, yeah. So we get addresses. You know, if I'm not taking it, I'll, I'll put up a you know, round up to me and a few of my friends, mm -hmm. you know, within the circles, and I'll offer that. Um, whoever wants to take it, they can take it. Would you want your split from it? If you're offering it, we'll go 50-50. No. No, or would no. you go, right, there's three lads on it, go thirds? No, it would always be no. one. If it's a hit, it's one person. One person, okay. It's one person. We only need three people. Yeah. You know, um, you do it how you want to do it. Mm. Just ensure that it's done. Because some of the some of the hits that will come, they'll come from the guys that are giving out their people. Yeah. You know, so they'll be like, I need a favour. Most of the times, some of the people, we knew who to charge and who not to charge. So yeah. if you pass me an envelope, I'll take out the, the piece of paper with... With a number in it, mm. so the cash that you're offering, I'll give you back that piece of paper, and they'll ask me why. I say it's for a favor. You owe me a favor, no matter what it is, when it is. I need you to act upon that, mm. and they'll be like, "Oh, okay," you know, because we're friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. This one's on me. Don't worry. But the day that I need you, I need you to act upon that. Mm. You need to come through no matter what the situation mm. is. How many, how many, how many of you, how many of your pals were there in a group where you could hundred percent trust three. every single one of them? Three. So you plus three. Me plus three, yeah. And you could trust them with no, your life. Uh two, hundred percent. Okay. The other one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why why the other one? Yeah. The other one, because uh, I got into a habit of um I you know obviously I'm not by the way, this is not a me glorifying violence no. or you know, because uh, I'm on a path of change or whatever. Yeah. I got into a habit of shooting people, right? So every time I used to take this guy with me, right, I always used to go into a robbery and it went wrong and I ended up pinging someone, I would see his face his facial reactions will change. Yeah. And I could see that he's not cut out for this. Yeah. So much so that every time I would come around him and we're just chilling, he was wary of me. Yeah. And for me, that has my back up. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, listen, despite whatever you see me doing, we're in this together, we're friends. All right, cool, you know, if I get caught, cool, I'll never roll you under the table. Yeah. All right, we're in this together. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. as we're both getting nicked. Yeah. Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. you got yeah. yeah, I'll put my, if I get nicked, hey, listen. Do you, reckon, do you reckon your man had fear that you were going over the top or you yes, were pinging yes, people yes. going, you know what? Yeah. Adam's Adam's going over the top here. Yeah. Did he have the fear going, I need to get out of this? Because yeah. actually winning, you're in a gang or you're around gangsters, you're in that, that the shadows. Yeah. It's hard to get out. Yeah. Do you think he found it hard he, to get out? Yeah, yeah. He he, he was where yeah. you know above his depth. I think yeah. he wanted to make money, but he wasn't looking to go to the lengths that we were looking to do. Yeah. I remember one time um, I got into a situation where um, someone ended up getting it um, very bad. And uh, when you say very bad, what's very bad for you? Uh, he. So I was in a situation where someone got. I'll, I'll give an example. I was in a situation where I shot someone in the neck with a shotgun. In right. the neck? In the neck, with the shotgun. 
So I've done time for that. The reason why I'm saying it now is because yeah. I've done time for that. I'm not, I'm not How did you get for that? I got, I've done the 20, practically. Um, but his face, all blood rushed to his face. And he looked at me as though I was a monster, despite the fact that we've grown up together as kids. And that's when I knew, you know, our relationship's changing. The dynamics have changed in this relationship, you know, um, and he's, his behaviors towards me started to change. Yeah. So for me, my behavior towards him, I was a yeah, bit wary. Yeah, wary yeah, okay. because everyone else, if I do do things like that, yeah. some of them were sick enough that when I come across, I want to watch, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, he, he's. Do you think he was in his right mind to be a bit wary? Did you think you were pushing boundaries, pushing levels the whole time? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm not going to lie. Every day I walk up, so you know, someone's day is ruined. You know, as soon as my eyes opened, even I knew it. I was like, oh gosh, someone's life's just finished. You know, someone's day's ru ruined. We had your dresses. You know, we'll get together. And when we get together, oh, you know, um, all of us, you know, that were together, even though it was a small group of us, and only up until I went to prison, no one used to know what that it was us that used to do these things. Really? No one. Did you balaclava up every time? No. No. Reason be, I'm six foot four, seventeen stone. Yeah. If I come walking on, you know, it's already bad enough having a hoodie up. Yeah. With a belly up, because I prefer to walk upon people. I, I'm not one of the people that jump out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I walk up on you and I press myself on you, mm. but with the gun it jumped in your ribs. Mm. I don't want you running off. You know, um, I catch you in your heading into your house with your car, key, yeah. your house keys in there. If you turn around and you see a guy with a belly entering your gate, you're gonna get in there and shut the yeah. door. You know, so. You know, we had different methods of calm and calculated. Very too cool that it's menacing. It's a you wouldn't expect it. Yeah. You know, we'll come dressed up as you know delivery drivers or surveyors or. Is that what you do? You dress up in? Yeah, of course we'll dress up. I, I was on an operation. Um, <clears throat> in a it was a million pound operation in a in Holland where we dressed up like police. We had the whole police car thing we had this you know the jammer on top we had the uh security that will get get kidnapped put in the back with the big operations so we, we like dressing up you know dressing up things blends in you know so and, what was that then what was the operation in holland so we asked to go and do a job in yes, holland yes my the reputation started to get up wow. so the older boys from random money you know the cockney geezers yeah they're like oh you know you know you always have uh friends your age and they go back to their dad's side in that type of lifestyle. Yeah. Dad, there's this up and coming guy, you know, yeah. solid guy. We need to get him on a job. Mm. Um, this situation, I got flown in uh, to do an operation in um, in Holland. Uh, I was the youngest there by 30 years. What age? I was 20. 20. Youngest there by 30. Well, everyone, the next youngest one was 50. Yeah. You know, there was ex UFC fighters flown in. There was. Um, um, uh, lorry drivers, specific jobs, you know, those people, you know, dressed up as mm. police, you, you know, because what it was, it was a, a big lorry, right? They used to carry around like, big computer chips, yep. you know, computer yeah, chips. Yeah. So each box would go for like 25 to 30 K because these, these are not talking about small computers, yeah, yeah. they're talking about big computers. Um, the, the plan was we had a snatch van, we had two cars, one of it would be like one of them, the cars would be the feds, you know, when you put the, the light on top, yeah. Um, they have to pull the security because the big lorries, when they come over the port, they'll have security following them. And we've got a snatch van that will block the one way because we, we knew the route that they were going to take. The snatch van will block the one way entry, stop the lorry from going forward. My job and someone else's job, the lorry driver is to literally 
intercept the lorry before the lorry driver snaps the key in there. Because if he snaps the key in there, we can't then yeah, move the lorry yeah. to a safe place and un unrack. Sorry, not unrack. Unpack the gear out. Yeah. The gear out yeah. and put it in a snatch van. So the plans to get in there, tea hammer the window, open the lorry, drag the lorry driver out. The lorry driver's gang in the back of the lorry, tied up, zip tied up. Yeah. I got a uh, um, I got a jammer to stop the satellite. Some of these lorries have what's a jammer? A jammer stops signal getting okay. sent to the satellite. Yeah, Some yeah, of these yeah. lorries have got a, a a tracker. Yeah, yeah. So wherever the lorry goes, so you can block that. Yeah, you can block it with yeah, a jammer. Okay. Yeah, we used to do that for fun. You yeah. know, um, you, you know, you have this jammer on you. You switch it on. It cuts off the whole road. You know, the whole road. Anyone that's trying to use the phone, they can't use the phone because there's something interfering with the yeah. signal. So we take the lorry to a safe place. Um, the fake police will have to pull the security. They pull the security, zip tied security, put him in the back of the car. Um, we park off the security car, take the lorry, unpack the lorry, put the stuff in the uh, in in the snatch van, mm. drive the snatch van with hundreds and thousands of pounds or a million pound mm. minimum of gear in the back of the uh, snatch van. Um, put the security that we've kidnapped with the fake police mm. to come to the meeting spot. Dash them in the back of the lorry. Dash the glory driver in the back of the lorry, tie up the lorry, um, lock up the lorry, leave him there to be found. Because as soon as we leave with the jammer, yeah, uh, and we get far enough, the lorry will stay stationary, yeah. and the lorry people will somehow find, find find it, and that's how they rescue the people in the back of the lorry. So, um, when you were going on to that gig there, mm, onto the operation, yeah. did you know the other fellas, or were you brought no. in? You were brought in to go do a job. This is your job. Yeah, yeah. yeah then yeah. we all leave each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never see each other again. Okay. So it was a meeting. So the guy that so was- how do you get paid up then? Uh, so how we get paid is that when I get back, the guy that's put us on, right? He will value, obviously. Yeah, he, what's in the lorry. We'll give him a week, Yeah. right? He values what's in the lorry. They do the estimations of how much his gear's getting sold. Um, and then he would have, what? He would have a buyer already set up. Because yep. before we go into jobs, you've got to know where it's, yeah. <laughs> it's getting distributed yep. to. And um, after that, we all get calls. He's got people in London, Liverpool, wherever we get met with a duffel bag full of cash and we'll go about our own way because he's he, didn't, he doesn't come back in yeah here. he gets the value he sells it the money gets sent to him he's already got people in the uk yeah. how do you know he's telling you the truth when uh, you come back after your op operation yeah. you're going right i'm getting weighed in here where's the bag where am i meeting hurry up i want my money because no, i've done it no, yeah no do you know what the people that's put me on there were trustable people okay They'll trust them. So they'll say, if for a job like that, they'll say, well, I'm guaranteeing you 100 Gs. Yeah, 100. Guaranteed. Yeah, okay. Guaranteed. You know, because they knew that I draw at a yeah. guy in price. Yeah. They'll probably change, short change us a little bit, but, yeah. you know, I'm young. You yeah. know, I'll take that. Given. Um, plus, not just that as well. My reputation preceded me as well. So, you know. <laughs> what did you enjoy more at this time? Earning a pound note like this or the reputation getting stronger and stronger in the criminal underworld? To be honest with you, earning the pound note comes with your reputation. Yeah. You know, but the thing is with me and, and my affiliates, um, we're stand-up guys. You know, we were stand-up guys. If we uh, go to do a job and we promise you it's 50-50, you're going to get your split. Yeah. No if, buts, or maybe. Yeah. Because I see you as an insurance policy. If we deal with you correctly, there's always going to be things to come around. Yeah. Not about severing ties. As soon as we take 200 yeah. grand, 300 grand, you never hear from us yeah. again. And you're like, listen, where's my money? No, you don't work like that. Yeah. We would always come straight and come mm. correcting to ensure that the business keeps flowing. Mm. You know, same thing, you know, the, the elbows, Albanians, they'll give each other up, man. Yeah. The Vietnamese people that we were working with, they used to grow ca cannabis factories. They'll give each other up. The captains will give up 
you know, where, because obviously once the drugs are sold, the money gets given to the captains. The captains have to give it to their loan sharks. There's always be like a boss, yeah, yeah who sends the money back in Vietnam. Yeah. And it's like a major boss back in Vietnam. So the captains, after the, the drugs are sold, if we, don't, if we don't hit the factories and he goes and drops the money off to your safe house, you always give us a safe house. Yeah. Say, I'm in the safe house, yeah. you know, 180 in the safe house. Now, you know, four kids, now four sons, yeah. woman, 180, I'm there now. You know, I and you'll be there in a shop. We'll be there, rapid, rapid. I say, you man, two hundred grand, a hundred grand, one eighty, eighty grand. Who wants that? Mm. You know, and we just fly through mm. there. So this went on for what, two years when you first came. Every out day, Nick? every day for every two day, years. Every day. When did it come to an end? It came to an end. How when, old were you? Um, when I was touching twenty-one, actually, it went on for about three years. To be honest with you, yeah, every, every day. Um, so when it came to an end, it was a it was a night where. Uh, we went to do a, a drug a, a drug dealer. As we went to go and do a drug dealer, um, I went and picked up some boys from an area. So what I used to do is that I used to rotate characters, you know, because I, I like to make sure that everyone gets a little, you know, some money from me. Yeah. Now with jealousy comes people snitching. Yeah. You know, this guy in that area that just robs people and has guns. So I always rotate people. So mm. I don't work with the same am amount of boys. So I've graduated to a level where I don't have to do the, the messy work myself, yeah. but I'm kind of sadistic because I'll come along and watch, you know, um, you know, uh, someone's getting it. I, I like to be the guy that sits in the room and pretends I don't know what's going on, but I know approximately in what? Yeah. Five minutes, three people are going to get shot. Mm. This guy, that guy, and that guy, you know, and just come along and just play dummy. How many people do you reckon you shot? <clears throat> oh, I can't say. Because obviously there's there's cases that ain't you know what I'm saying that uh, that ain't uh, I don't really want to mm. egg the mm. feds on but the police had me on 24 charges by the time they got me 24 24 charges I got a totality of 59 years in prison totality for you know I had shoot I had a I had a shooting where a guy got shot out of a house out of a house window he was on a little thing he was on a trying to deter these guys from coming inside the house. And he got shot with a shotgun and he tilted, fell out of a window and he had blood coming out of his ears and his mouth and his nose. Uh, I was in a case where a guy got shot in the back. Um, you know, and in this case here, I was in a case where a guy got shot in the neck with a shotgun as yeah. well. Um, but only one of the case charges stuck. So, you know, so you had 24 cases on you? 24 cases. And what age were you there when they pulled it on oh, you? Oh man, this just kept on piling up. I was in Belmarsh. Fighting, uh, I was just fighting a simple possession charge because, like I said, the night that led to, to, to me getting uh, arrested, um, we'd done a house, right? I could say, no, nah, I didn't yeah. find guilty. Yeah. We'd done a house. I didn't do the house though. I took the guys to do the house, and like a sick man, I posted up around the corner to watch them do it because of how they were functioning. They knew sign language. Robbers that talk in sign language, mm. so you don't hear Dodge. Yeah. Oh, D, grab the bag. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, the guy's name was Dodge. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So they they use hand gestures and they literally clear the door, went in there with guns, but they had hit the wrong house. The house that they were looking for was next door, and it's my fault, really, because I knew they were drunk. They did that. I picked them up, but I was so greedy. I take full responsibility. I still took them because I wanted to take the chance of, of getting it. I wanted that. I wanted those drugs. I wanted that money today. Um. So they hit the wrong house, but cause I was impressed by the hand gestures and I was mesmerized. Mm -hmm. After I took them away from the scene, I got a call, you know, a friend of mine rang me, says, 
His name was Tony mm. in China. His name wasn't Tony. Yeah. I don't know his Tony. Mm. Uh, he said to me, uh, he said, uh, 180 grand now. <laughs> Loan shark, woman, four sons, just like I said yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Address, because he slips up into the toilet to use the toilet. Message me through his burner phone straight onto my burner phone. I said to these guys, listen, there's an opportunity. You lot fucked up this opportunity. There's another one right now. We're going to South London. Um, as we're driving into South London, I'd, my fault again. Right? I shouldn't have ever, I shouldn't have been in that car to begin with. But because they were tipsy and they've messed up the first robbery, I wanted to make sure that I don't give them the keys to drive there. And they don't get there because they're drunk or they're tipsy and yeah. they mess everything up. Yeah. And this one, I'm coming along, right? So I'm driving. I do a dodgy U-turn. Who sat by the traffic lights? Armed coppers, mm. city police, and you know, city police have even tasers or guns and them mm. patrolling that two mile radius that they work within. They're like, hey, what's this? Right? They start following us. The car had plated. It was a clone of a car, but the mistake that I had made is that it uh was a plate of a car that was in um that was in what's that what's a car? You know, you know when they sell cars. Mm. What was that called? Like a company? Yeah, I know you made it. Yeah, it was, yeah, in yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It was a car sales yeah, dealership, yeah? yeah? Yeah, It was insured because I went and asked me, you know, you go and ask mm. me to find out if it's insured mm. and you go on, you know, and I got the plates printed off. Mm. But it was insured, but it had, didn't have a registered owner. So now the police want to pull me. They were in the X5. They want to pull me and find out who's driving this car because it hasn't got a registered owner, even though it's insured. So I take a chase in central London, like more towards South London. You know that South, is it South Key or Surrey Creek? Keys? Yeah, Surrey Creek, yeah. Yes. When you around. say take a chase, you're like, right, foot down, come yeah, and get yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I always okay. take chases. Really? Always. We took two-hour police chases and everything. Yeah, yeah. Always take chases. But this time, the advantage, the disadvantage, because the roads are cut off. You can't take a chase in yeah. London Bridge. Yeah. You know, near to Fargo Square, near those, all those roads is that zigzaggy yeah. type. We crashed the car. As we've crashed the car, um, we've jumped out. Tourists taking pictures because they see them. Please, like, chick, chick, chick. so now they're gathering up evidence to give to the coppers. Oh, no. So we've took a chase. <laughs> As we took a chase, we ended up by the pier. So I remember I jumped out of the car. I said, "Don't follow me." You know, as soon as the police comes on tops, every man for themselves. Remember, everyone's trying to get away. I don't know you. You don't yeah. know me. Yeah. Don't follow me. The two guys have stuck by me. They're following me. Oh, Why are you following me? Mm. Running, running. I don't know where I'm going. End up by the pier. As I end up by the pier, I can't swim. I'm looking at them. They're looking at me. I'm fucking fucking idiot. So follow you. You're the reasons why the fucking coppers run me. <laughs> I see the coppers coming. I've looked at them. I said, jump. They've looked at me like that. They said, you jump. I said, jump, jump. One of them so close. He sat by the pier. He's looking at the police coming. I've looked at the water. It's brown. It's mucky. Yeah. Right, mate. Fuck it. I'm thinking, I'm still on a license for my first gun charge that I'd done when I was 18, right? I'm just about to come off license. I'm like, jump. They're like, they're like, no, you jump, you jump. If they jumped and floated, I would have jumped in, right? Because no one took the dive. I didn't take the dive. Mm. Police have come, they've nicked us. So when they've nicked us, one of the guys, you remember I told you about the friend? Yeah. That always was flush faced. Yeah. My mistake was taking him along, right? His responsibility was to leave with the gun. And it, we all play roles. Yeah. Right. Remember, you're as strong as your weakest link. Mm. If someone flops, we, we all flop. Yeah. He left the gun in the car looking after himself, shot off. The police never picked up on him. They've scooped us. Mm. Right. Um, they've traced the gun back to 
robberies, shootings. As I'm in prison, now I'm on my second gun charge. Charges are started piling up, man. Please. So when you were in, Nick, the charges were coming up. Yeah, I was in Belmarsh. I was in Belmarsh. The police have come in. So now they've arrested me. Right, I'm in Belmarsh. The police have come in. So I'm thinking, they said, ah, oh, there's someone that needs to see you. So I don't like, like I said, I don't like wondering who it is and what it is. So I turn up to the reception, they take me out. One thing that I did learn is that the police cannot charge you or tell you what they're there for while you're on prison ground because they don't have jurisdiction within the prison ground mm. for crimes that are committed outside. They have yeah. to take you outside. Yeah. Take me to Plamsted Police Station. The first charge, the first charge popped up. They said, uh, Mr. McGanzy. I said, yeah, what's up? This is um, on the 20 something of October. You entered a man's home in the process of robbing him and you shot the man in the throat. We believe it was you that shot a man in the throat with a shotgun. I'm thinking, oh shit. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh. I said, okay, uh, carry on. Right, so they're revealing this information. Yeah. And then they asked me for permission for an ID parade. So I gave him permission for an ID parade. And uh, I didn't think nothing was gonna come of it, man. I ended up getting bail. Furthermore, one of my parties at that time, sorry, I don't mean to take up too much time. One of the no. people that I used to have it with, two of my, my, my uh, affiliates, one of them ended up coming into prison. One of them came into prison for possession of free firearms. So the police swarmed his house. Yeah. He threw the guns out, whatever. So now I'm thinking, shit, as I'm in prison, facing these charges, he walks in, I'm like, fuck, you know, what have they got you for? Yeah. He's like, oh man, they're raiding my house, I found three guns. They want mine, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then as I'm in prison, there's another affiliate of mine that got uh, arrested for shooting somebody in the face. Um, He had mounted charges, like, you know, um, he got uh, arrested and he got bailed. He had shot someone close range in the face with a, with a, with a gun. And... um. In the process of him get, going back for um, to the police station, the police actually parked up, um, um, forced him into the car, took him to a graveyard um, because he was gonna, they were going to literally give him no further action. Mm. But the last roll of the dice was to wait for him before he gets to the police station, get him in a motor, take him to the graveyard, and try and threaten him. Yeah, you know, um, into giving information mm. on, on on me so they can keep me in there for the rest of my life. But none of that occurred, you know, he just played dumb. He got no further charges. Um, one of the pals uh, that I was in there with, I got bail. So as I've come out on bail, I'm out for two weeks, custody time limit run out while I was in prison. So the custody time limits, the police or the prosecution have six months to produce the case coming forward in order to proceed with the charges. If they fail in that process at that time, it's no fault of mine that they're not ready to go to trial because I am. They have to give me uh, bail. Now I'm in the uh, interview room, right? Plaza Police Station. I'm at the back. There's a woman I've never seen before. There's a officer that I've seen from Belmarsh, the one that interviewed me about shooting the guy in the neck. So this woman says to me, um, "I'm waiting for a colleague of mine to walk in." So I'm sitting. I'm thinking, okay, maybe some some silly case or something. Yeah. Like never mind the fact that every offense that we used to do was like a straight life life sentence you know what I'm saying or yeah. near enough yeah. you know we never used to do silly offences yeah. you know we used to do proper organised stuff so this other officer walks in as soon as he walks in he's got a smirk on his face I'm like, oh my gosh it's, it's, it's him this guy's a dog I remember you're investigating a case where a geezer got shot in his in, in his home <clears throat> this woman says to me oh, 
Mr. McGanzi, I uh, just want to question you. Interview, roll tape. I'm like, yes. Da, 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 da. She goes, uh, Mr. McGanzi, um, I just want to ask you a question. Where was you on this date? So I'm like, you fucking know, on this date. Oh my gosh. Where was I on that date? I have no idea what she's talking about. I'm like, I don't know what happened. She goes, I'll tell you where you were. You know, um, you try to force entry into someone's home, you know, um, and the end process is you shot the person in the back, you know, da 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 da, da. So I'm like, oh, fucking hell, what are they talking about? Oh, gosh, what? And I go, I'll give you another one, Mr. McGann's, you're going to love this, right? I'm like, oh, gosh. How about you try to force entry into someone's home on this particular day and you shot Mr. So-and-so in the chest with a shotgun. They're now fracturing his rib cage. And um, in the process, this was, this was the damage that was done. Da, 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 da. So I'm sitting there. And the other one jumps in. It was Mr. McGanzi. I just want to ask you about the shooting of uh, Mr. So and So on the 29th or 20 something of October, where you know you shot the uh, Mr. Man in the throat. Because the first time when they saw me, they were just trying to gain permission to for for identification. Yeah. Right. They won't really. They didn't want there to investigate mm. to 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 interview me. They were just going through the whole process of um, investigating. They weren't ready for an interview. Right. I didn't know I wasn't going to give them anything. And I said to me, Mr. Guys, you know, scrap all this. We don't have the facilities to interview you here. Stop, stop. We're going to take you to Forest Gate Police Station. So Forest Gate Police Station was a Trident, yeah. that center at the time, mm. you know, serious. Mm. Uh, tri uh, Trident South and Trident North. So yeah. Trident uh, South for serious crimes mm. and Trident North for minor shootings. So serious shootings like murders and stuff like that. And Trident North also have a way around for less serious crimes. So anyway, they take me there. In the process of them taking you to this Trident Center, they uh, get the UV light, run it by you to make sure that you haven't broken, you haven't done no robberies, you know, like the cash boxes and stuff yeah. like that. You haven't got any ink on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You know, that could be an extra charge they yeah. can chuck in there. And, uh, oh, you haven't got any gunpowder residue on you, mm. you know, so they can just quickly brush that off and collect that yeah. or, or take your clothes. So they take me in there. And, uh, yeah, they took me to that police station. I didn't see the road again until I was a grown man. Yeah, I didn't see the road again. This was 2010. I didn't come out until COVID pandemic. Yeah. So what did they actually, how many years did you actually So I got get 24 charges. 24 ch charges. 24 and how many charges. years did you get for that? I got, so um, 24 charges that they managed to convict me with. Yep. The totality was 59 years. Right. So you get one year, three years, five years, 10 years, 12 years, 13 years, 14 years, 16 years. Overall, I'm thinking, how long am I doing? But despite all that, I was, um, before I got, before in 2012, I was serving 12 years in prison. Uh, 2014, 2013 came by, that's changed. They said, scrap the 12 years. The two years that you've done out of the 12, you're doing a 16 year sentence now. So adding up as you're in there, yeah, throwing was, more on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, as I was in there. Um, but the, the thing is I had to ace up my, my sleeve that not a lot of people knew. Uh, I had a foster mom that's a judge, Crown Court judge. She didn't know that I used to do all of this stuff. Mm. As far as she's aware, I was meant to go into drama school. Mm. You know, like I, I always like pick the easy subjects in life just to try and mask what I'm doing. Yeah. Even though I had uh, intentions of doing good things, but I also tried to live the life of, you know, like a double life where yeah. you try to do good, but then also you love doing bad yeah. things. Um, as far as she was concerned, I was, um, even though I never used to live with her, because um, I, at the time I'd moved out and done my own thing. Um, 
I had to get her involved in the situation and bless her, man. She had to seek permission from the Crown Court that she works in to come in and give a character reference, you know, when everything went tits up. Mm. You know, I was looking at a life sentence, you know, a discretionary life sentence. You know, you got you got you got you got a mandatory life sentence for things like murder, and you get discretionary life sentences for minor things, but even it's life sentence, it's a life sentence, yeah. right? Yeah, um, I ended up with nothing, I ended up with a street sentence, man. Um but even in that whole process of me being in prison, you know, I've been caught up in murders in prison as well. And murder that took place in prison while I was in there. In prison? Time. Yeah, while I was in there serving time. That was a bad situation. What know, happened attempted there? Attempted murders. What happened in uh, prison? What was prison life like for you personally? You're a big man. Yeah. You can be quite imposing. You're calculated. Yeah. But, Did you feel comfortable in prison? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I felt comfortable in prison because despite, you know, your stature or your size or how tall you are, treat you with respect. I always find it that I love, I'd rather be respected and loved than feared. Because yeah. the thing is, when you're feared, everyone has a common goal in mind to get rid of you. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that, that would be stitching you up, you know, you know, stabbing you, mm. hot watering you or whatever. But I was a bit of a dick when I needed to be, you know, in prison. I chat my way around if I need to, mm. uh, force officers to do things if I need to. But other than that, you know, um, they would always try to use me as well, put me in like a responsible jobs and stuff like that to ensure, you know, that they keep me under the thumb. Yeah. I've got something to lose if I misbehave as of me not having anything. But I, at the beginning of my sentence, I used to pressurise a lot of um, people in prison but with that murder that murder was a naughty situation it ended up on Sky News and the whole shebang that was a bad situation where man. was this what prison was this uh, this was in Coldingly prison I tell you what though this is fact I tell you when you see when people kill people when people go out and they murder someone one thing because obviously I've been with murderers yeah. you know one thing that I've realised and i come to terms with is when someone commits a murder they don't stick around to see the transformation or the metamorphosis or the, the soul leaving the body, the whole process, uh, yeah, taking place of that person dying. Yeah. They commit the murder, and they're off. pin you in the head, off, chiv you up, off. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Hit you with a bat, off. Mm. They don't stick around and go, oh my gosh, what's happening? Mm. Oh, this is gruesome. Mm. I, when that murder took place, I was with killers. I'm talking about double murderers. You know that? They're coming to yeah. the end of the sentences. They're working through, they're, you know, people that have committed two murders, three murders. And they've come, you know, because the kid's got chived yeah. in his chest, you know. Um, uh, yeah. He got chived in his yeah, chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though the guy beat the murder, mm. right? He got chived in the chest in front of 60 people, right? And some of the people stuck around to see what's happening with this kid because he, he, the knife went straight into mm. his heart. And some of the murderers were shaken by that. Yeah, They come back to me and they looked at me and they said, yo, they said, did you see that? As soon as that happened, I was off. Yeah. Right. I ain't sticking around. Yeah. Right. Some of these people, even though they've killed people, they, so I don't know, it was out of curiosity that they wanted to stick around and see what happens. But when they saw the stiffening of the foot, you know, when their feet stiffen mm -hmm. up and the eyes start pinging around the head, it's pretty horrific. Yeah. No matter how, you know, it's not something that you just, you'd be quick to get over. Yeah. You know, seeing the person take his, his yeah. last breaths. They've come back to me mm. and they said, yo, you know, what does it mean when his foot stiffens? I said, listen, that kid's dead. This mm. is before he's even been pronounced dead. Yeah. Because we were on our way to prayers. He got killed in his way to prayers. This, this Over what? Over a mobile phone. Over a mobile phone. Man. Crazy. He was due out in eight weeks. 
eight weeks, man. How did you change? When you went to prison, how did you change? Did you still have the same mentality like you had before you went in there? And you were in there from 2010 to... 2020. 2020, a 10-year yeah. stint. How did you personally change your lifestyle in there or your personality or the way you, you the vibes you're giving off to people? Uh, obviously, at the start, when you start off, you're a... Uh... You're a bit childish because of my environment. Not not just childish, but you know, I'm I'm quick to throw my toys out of the pram. Yeah. Because normally if I disagree with someone, if I don't like what someone's doing, we just get straight into it. Yeah. Cut out all the bullshit. Yeah. Where are we going with this? Yeah. You know. Um, but in prison I've realized that there's there's some monsters in there, man. There's triple murderers in there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, people that are in for genocide have just been caught. Yeah. I'm talking about people that sent people to villages and they've massacred babies. Mm. And these guys' demeanor, mm. you know, you've been none the wiser that these people are responsible for doing things like that. Yeah. You know, they're very nice. Like as in how they carry themselves, they present themselves, how they dress, how they speak. Yeah. They don't come across like these kids that you see running around in the streets. These kids that run around in the streets are accidental murderers. Yeah. No one comes out of the house. Um, pl plotting to do the perfect murder and mm. chief someone on the street mm. thinking you're going to get away with it mm. you ain't getting away with shit murderers are the ones that carry themselves that blend in with society mm. they do shit for the community but if they're called upon to do the work you'd be none the wiser you'd be yeah. like oh my gosh you know did you hear Derek murdered six people yeah. you know he was such a nice guy I didn't see yeah. that coming yeah. that's the guy you need to watch out yeah. for not these silly kids that are running around in the street mm. so um I came across some of these guys, man, like, and I was taken back. Did you ever have the fear of anyone in there? Because I was very, no. No. Because I treated people with respect. Yeah. And there was guys with mental health in there. There was murderers with mental health mm. that slipped through the net. Um, mm. I remember once or twice I got into a situation with um, people with mental health, but one thing that I've got, uh, that I've got patience for is people with mental health. Yeah. You know, they can push and push because I know you're not in full control of your situation. Get people that are, suffer from, um, what's that? What's that? Um, when, you're, when you believe things that don't exist, what's that called mm. again? Uh, psychosis? Is it psychosis? Mm. Psychosis. Mm. So these people believe things that don't take place or haven't happened. Because you're big, they come up with issues in their head like, I've got a problem with this guy. Yeah. So even when you do talk to them, don't come across as condescending, mm. come across as respectful and be like a book. You know, yeah. they can see, even if they have to believe that they can see through you, yeah. let, let it be them, play, yeah. play yeah, like yeah. that. Just don't let them go away. Bro. So how did you change? Because uh, where you're today, you've gone, you've done 10 years in Nick. Yeah. I've done a third of my life in prison, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. A third. But anyone listening out there, any kids, what advice would you give them right now? The kids go around the streets, killing people, stabbing people. Do you know what? I will tell you one thing, right? Everyone that's in there for killing people or stabbing or over a stupid moment of yeah. anger, all the guys that I was with, this is God's honest truth. I don't want people to think, oh, no, or, you know, listen to him. Prisons cracked him. Yeah. You know, he, he's fell off. You know, it's because of prison exchange. No, the people that I've been in there with, the, the people that are in for murders that are doing 30 years, they think about suicide all the time. Yeah. All the time. Cause there's no way out. Listen, I was living that for 10 years, right? And every day for 10 years, I used to think to myself, there's a possibility I could die in here without mm. getting out. Cause 10 years is a long yeah. time, right? Yeah. But there's no guarantee that I'm going to be here in 10 years. No guarantee that any one of us mm. in this room is going to be here. Did you know when you were going to come out? Or were you thinking 2012, they've whacked, no, they've whacked more on me, they've whacked more on me, whacked more on no, me. No, do you know what? I had a release date, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, 
It's a race against time. Yeah, okay. But the good thing is they um, abolished gate arrest. You know gate arrest? Go on. So gate arrest is a thing where back in the day, the police would wait for you to finish your sentence. And as you come out thinking you're a free man at the gate, I say, oh, Mr. McGazzy, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Ooh, we've got a, a crime that took place. We want to question you about so they can <laughs> remind you or chuck you straight in jail straight after doing your bird. So they got rid of that. I knew if I can make it to a release date, it's illegal or it's not something that they can do because from when they first clock on that I've done an offence, they have to come and investigate mm. ASAP. So if there was no offences coming forth, um, you know, and I can make it out in time, it's... You're out. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. But Was there anyone in there that you feared? Oh, there was a... No, I won't say fear, but I'll say wary. There was a guy in there that actually slit another guy's throat in Belmarsh because the IRA were after him in his head. Everyone was wary of this guy. I won't say I was, fe I won't say I was fearful of people, but I was always wary. When, when there's wariness, you tend to keep people at arm's length. Yeah. Communications are a limit. You know, yes, no type of conversations. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing? You know, sometimes even if you reach out and you extend your hand and you ask, hey, how's your day been? Whether you mean it or you don't, means something to yeah. you. Do you know what I mean? But I was always worried. There was a lot of people with mental health in there that were serving life sentences that I was worried in mm. there. I was in there with some characters. I, 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 there's a guy that I used to um, have it in there with the one of the guys that uh, the, the done the uh, 53 million uh, pound robbery. Yeah. Uh, it was a trading partner of mine, Paul Wallen. I don't know if you've come mm. across Paul Wallen. Mm. Yeah, me and him were kind of like that tight. in there. So yeah, we're very tight in there. Is we, he out? Yeah, he's out. He's out yeah. right now. He's doing a... He's doing um uh mental health awareness yeah. um and spinal injury awareness because yeah. I, I i don't know he got shot in his house that's right yeah he got shot in his house he's so, in a wheelchair isn't he yeah he's in a wheelchair yeah. so he's pushing positivity to you know through you know the best way of people learning is through stories he's doing good stuff he's doing very good yeah. stuff so me and him were kind of like that yeah that situation that i mentioned mm. i was actually with him yeah. when this guy with mental health uh has been going like me and paul we used to train together we used to eat together right he still trains well now. Yeah, he's still actually, yeah. he's doing well, yeah, right? So me and him are sat on his table, yeah? And I said to him, I Paul. He says, yeah, he's probably gonna laugh when he hears it. I said, uh, did you hear? He says, what, what about? I said, fucking, this geezer over there, there was a, a Muslim brother, yeah, yeah, white guy, big beard, mental health, lights are on, but there's no one home, yeah. right? He's about 25 stone. He's been nipping into people's rooms, cells, right? Hanging over them, going, you know, picking issues with them. But I knew <laughs> the brother had mental health. Yeah. So I uh, I said to Paul, listen, fucking hell man, he's just fucking guys paging people themselves. Me and him are talking about it. And even all the bad boys at the time on the wing were getting paged by him. What are you saying? You know, wake up, you know, just hovering over your bed, asking you what's the issue? You're like, what are you talking about? He's got a chiv in his hand. Well, what you're not gonna do is go to the offices and grass. Yeah. You just don't want to be the one that he yeah. takes his frustration out because yeah. them cells are small. So as we're talking about it, I hear, ghost. That's me. I looked at Paul. Paul's looked at me. He goes, let's have a word. The whole, because we used to sit outside and eat. You see, like, a, we don't, never used to eat in our room. We used to sit outside yeah. on the landing and eat. Yeah. Everyone turns around and looks at me like this. Because he's been paging. The last 10, 15 guys have been getting popped up in. So now he's chilling outside his cell like this. So I've looked at Paul, Paul's looked at me, he's gone. So I stood up, I've gone over, I said, what's going on? He said to me, come in. I'm thinking, oh, fucking hell, man, what the fuck? I've gone in there, it's pitch black. It smells like wet dog. There's no ventilation, no air coming through. 
the only lights coming from the telly. And he's walked in behind me and he shut the door. So I've looked at him, I thought, oh, this is a bad situation to be in. So immediately, because we're the same same size, remember he would just chiv you up and get ground of the yeah. least responsibility. He was waiting to go broad more actually, right? Okay. Yeah, so, and he's the one that was serving a life sentence and he slit someone's throat yeah. in a dinner queue in Belmarsh because the IRA, the voices told him, this guy's part of the IRA and they're trying to take you out. This poor guy that was in front of him getting his dinner, beans and rice, had no idea that this guy's oh, got thoughts in his in his head, right? So he's called me and I already knew about his situation. He's doing a double life sentence, right? He's waiting to go to hospital. Straight away, as soon as I've looked at my situation, I've just sat down because I appear to be less threatening. Like if you're standing up, looks like you're squaring with someone. Yeah. I've sat down, I thought, this can go to one or two ways. I sat down, I said, what's going on? His name was Ted, right? He goes, scratching his head, he goes, the other day I said hello to you and you blanked me. Do we have a problem? He's blocking the exit now. I've looked at him, I thought, fucking ass, what are you talking about? Now I'm, now I'm thinking to myself, I actually thought I had a problem with this guy. Now he's making issues up. I said, but I didn't say that. I'm thinking yeah, that in my head. Yeah. I said, the other day, when? He says, by the gate. I said, hello to you, right? You didn't say anything to me. Do we have a problem? I said to him, nah, Ted, I was rushing to the gym. I said, I ain't got no problems with you, man. Come on, bro. And I must have heard you. I was rushing to the gym. Yeah. The equipment's limited. I need to get the equipment. I said, nah, sorry, my bro, man. It's nothing like that. He came and sat right beside me. Took out this big fuck off knife, put it on the table. And he grabbed his head like this. And he goes, I'm sorry, man. I'm not all right. I haven't been taking my meds. All right. So I stood up. I said, yeah, man, no problem. Patted him on the shoulder. I said, I'm going to go back and eat my food now, yeah? He goes, yeah, just sat there <laughs> like that. As I stood up, went back, sat down. Paul said to me, what's just happened? I said, oh, you never guess what. As I said, what? I hear, Paul, can I have a chat? <laughs> same geezer again. Paul stood up, he looked at me like that. It's fucking when I had a chat with this guy, but he managed to pat, yeah, patch yeah, things yeah. up with this guy. <laughs> but there's a lot of people in there that had their throat slit. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm throat, sure. Yeah. How did you change? What, what, how different are you today than you were? Do you know what? If I'm going to be honest with yeah. you, for me, uh, religion played a key role in me changing. Um, uh, mentally coping, I had to channel my energy into other things, you know, spiritual development, religion, um, and focusing on trying to get out and do positive things in my life. Because now I'm married. I won't believe it. Mm. Uh, I lecture in a university. You wouldn't believe that. Um, you know, I do PT and I'm an online coach. You know, so my life has somewhat properly turned your life around. Yeah, somewhat definitely done a a, a U-turn. And I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to prevent as many kids as we can, you know, and as I can to, you know, turn their lives around for the better because it's definitely not worth it, man. I've met lifers in prison that have said to me, "Listen, if I had a second chance to grass, I'll grass." But you know, your opportunity has been and gone, mate. Yeah, and they'll openly say this. You know, do you reckon there's a high percentage of people in there who have grassed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, there's more grasses in prison than there is probably out here, yeah. man. You know, there's someone in there will put, it all stems from hating. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're doing something, you know, if you're bringing drugs into the, the, the prison and the guy's not getting anything or, you know, this guy's looking at a life sentence, it's, it, it, there's nothing new to that. You know, people, this comes with the game. And that's another reason why even while I was in prison, my mind state started changing because the game is not what it was, you know, like, Back in the day, you know, you stand tall on your word and yeah. if you get caught, you just keep your mouth shut and just yeah. go down and do the bid. Nowadays, you get caught, the guy that you're with, 
you're trusting your life for this guy yeah. to keep Might quiet. bubble you up to get a, Yes, yeah, as soon as yeah. they hear sentences like 30, yo, you're looking at 30 years. Now it's not even 30s, it's 35s plus. You know, the other day I was um, talking to a fella that told me that apparently they're thinking about introducing 50-year wreck. Mm. Now with a 50-year wreck or a 30-year wreck or a 35 wreck, how it goes is you have to do 30 years before you're considered for parole. Not after 30 yeah. years, you get, yeah, right, dodge. Yeah. You know, you could go out, you're done, right? After 30 years, they'll look at your paperwork. Yeah, they'll knock you back just to see how you react. Yeah. Come back in two years' time, so you'll be like, fucking, I've done 30 do you not years. Think, do you not think that's a good thing? Well, the, the, Gavin saying someone, you're, you're in for 30 years. Uh, do you reckon that will prevent people it hasn't worked though, has it? No. These silly kids are running around. That's my point. That's my point. It's it like what worked. what can prevent these silly kids going around stabbing each other and killing people? What can prevent that? Do you think there should be something in place where if you are caught with a knife, right. you are caught with the, the big yeah, samurai, yeah, yeah. the weapons, yeah, yeah. you are guaranteed to get 10. Do you know what? I'll tell you, I still don't think that would... Uh, you don't think? Them. I think that all stems from people being scared. Yeah, because these young kids are scared. Their friends are getting stabbed. So everyone's right. scared. So everyone's, everyone's carrying. Scared. A lot of people that are yeah. carrying are scared. Because really and truly, if you think about it, anyone that's out there to do damage, don't want to be walking around with a knife for no, no reason. You come out, you use it, and you fucking put it back, and yeah. you keep quiet. You know, you don't want to get caught with the knife. Yeah. But they're walking around with knives, anticipating other people getting knives yeah. out on them, and they're, they're thinking the bigger the sword that I have, the less chances that the person would attack me. But then you, you find someone that's dumb enough to lunge forward, yeah. fall on top of your sword. Right, these knives have got jagged edges and shit like that as well. Like the survival rates are very, very low, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And now, you know, I was teaching some kid that got caught up in a murder where, you know, they were fighting and someone got chived and the guy that stabbed him, you know, ended up killing him. Mm. And his, his other pal didn't even know, but he, they, they got him on camera trying to get a knife out with two hands. Oh, you know, and this kid's never been in trouble before. Now mm. he's doing what, 35? Yeah. You know, one stupid moment of mm. anger. And, and what it is as well, kids aren't channeling their energy into positive things. Have you got any regrets? No. No regrets? No. I, I to take responsibility of my action, my, my, you know, my uh, my crimes. Um, you know, I put my hands up to that, everything that I've did, you know, and everything that I've got and I deserve it. And I'm somewhat apologetic to the victims that I have because I've reached out to the victims and tried to do the sycamore tree thing, you know, yeah. sycamore tree where you meet up with victims yeah. and you make them secure that listen if i do get out nothing's gonna happen i, I do apologize for the stuff that i've done so they can just get a get a, a bit of closure yeah um but if i hadn't i would have i would have done worse you know if i if, if i if i regret you can't regret your past you meant to learn from your past and move forward mm. you know as long as you try your best to amend what you've done in the past mm. you know everything that you have done good or bad it's led to you being new today Who you are today you know yeah. have you removed anything from there you, you you know your life would have took mm. a different direction. How's your world today? You come out in 2020 in COVID. Yeah. Who's Adam today? Uh, I'm a, a lecturer at uni. Um, um, into fitness myself. I uh, teach people. Uh, you know, personal training, online coaching. I uh, help people with confidence and uh, physical well-being. You know, just to try and build on people with confidence. So. Peating and just helping people pick up weights yeah. it's give and take it's like nutrition nutrition mindset, not just that mindset lot, yeah, how you're yeah. thinking how's your day been yeah. you know you just help people tick over because everyone's got problems you mm. know with what they've got going on not just that as well I'm teaching a lot of kids and I'm helping kids get qualifications in 
personal training. I'm teaching personal trainers. I'm te- helping kids get gym qualifications so mm. they can get into work. And not just people that have never been in trouble. I teach people that have come out of prison to try and provide a way for them out of that lifestyle yeah. so they can have a qualification and go into something legitimate. Mm. You know, so I'm giving back. This is my way of giving back to the community, uh, all the hurt that I've done, all the uh, devastation that I've done. Mm. So for me, it's a form of giving back, mm. you know, even though I can never give back to you. And your spirituality, um, um, how big, how big, how uh, much has that key, played in, your, key, in who key, you are today? It's a key factor for yeah. who I am. Um, it's, it's knowing and, you know, it's, it's called being God conscious. Always aware that God's watching, you know, your, the actions that you're doing and try to be a better person today than you were yesterday. So mm. every day is a, it's a journey upon trying to be a better person than you were the day before, you know, um, putting other people first and stuff like that as well. How do you think, what effect do you reckon you had on your mum being put away in prison and how you are today with her? Um, to be honest with you, that if I'm going to be honest with you, that kind of um, destroyed our relationship somewhat a little yeah. bit because uh, she didn't see it. She didn't come to see me for the whole time that I was in there, and I take responsibility for that. She didn't come to see. No, you. no, okay. No. She didn't. Were you ha- Were you like mum, stay away? I don't want uh, you here. Or no, no I want to see mama. No, no. Um, to be honest, it was partly like that. I never yeah. said don't, st- you know, um, don't come see me. But if she came to see me, I wouldn't have stopped her, you know. But I felt like um, I've grown apart from. Our relationship grew apart 10 years yeah. of not seeing each other, not communicating. I think the first couple of times that she'd asked me, how long have you got in there? I used to tell her, I'm coming out in six months. Yeah. Every six months. <laughs> Until she got tired of asking. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell her, oh, mom, I'm serving 12 years. Yeah. Oh, do you not scrap that, mom? I'm serving, you know, I'm doing a 20 now. Do you yeah. know, that would be too much. So I'd rather her keep her in suspense or let her give up than yeah. just settle with the fact that I'm doing 20 years. And how's your relationship with her today? Uh, it's getting better. Good. It's getting better. Obviously, time away, people grow apart, but yeah. it falls upon you to try and seal that and rebuild, burn yeah. bridges and stuff like that. Adam, you've some lived some eventful life. Yeah. It's a. Uh, do you know what? It's it's also this. This is giving back to the community, and um, uh, you know, through stories, it's the best way of teaching. You yeah. know, you might have some kid that's going through whatever I'm going through. Yeah. He's got to think right. Listen, the end story is dead or prison. Yeah. You know, neither of them, you know, are going to be of of benefit to you. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like at this precise moment, the time for those kids that are watching, what you got to remember is whatever you're going through right now, as human beings, we go from face to face. Yeah. Example, what you used to like when you was a kid, skateboards, Very, music, yeah. TV, like uh, soaps that you used to watch. As you move along in your life, you know, you grow out of those things. Mm. You know, even what you used to be attracted to when you was a teenager to compare to what you're attracted to now. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Yeah. So this phase, try and change yourself because from the age of 20, 18 to, say, age of 18 to like 32 or yeah. something, that's when you're most likely to die. Yeah. Try and choose a better route because by the time you get to 30, looking back at the stuff I used to do when you was 19, if you're still out and you've managed to stay on a positive route and you're not in prison serving 30 years, 40 years, 35 mm. or whatever, You'd be grateful that you've stuck yeah. on a legit, mm. legitimate. You know, Adam, I've, I thank you for your honesty. I thank you. Thank you for coming down me. here. Yeah, I thank you for your honesty. I thank you for what your everything you're saying here is going to help anyone listening who's yeah. on that journey. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Good man. Me. Cheers, ghost. Right, Good you. man. <laughs>